Hey there, fight fans. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this episode of Combat Sports Talk. Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is the double champ, George G-Money Stallworth. What's up? What's up? Hey, how you doing, bro? Hey, I'm doing great. Look at us. We got, we, we got, we're, we're like twins today. We, we're both <laughs> rocking the Intelligent Defense uh, Discussion Group, MMA Discussion Group on Facebook t-shirts got our swag on so if you guys want to engage us in in debate throughout the week and you're tired of people calling you casual then come check us out on uh the intelligent defense discussion group mma discussion group on facebook that's where we a lot of the stories and a lot of the things that we talk about on the show that's where it begins so join us there all right well hey guess what Neither one of us are mothers, but it is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, Absolutely. All, all, and, 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 you know, we always think about those people who are mothers of young human children, but there are also mothers of anyone taking care of someone else uh, or something else. You know, there's a lot of pet mothers out there, and so I will tell you this, that normally I would not conflate human mothers to pet mothers but <laughs> so often so often at least in the corporate world people get left out you know and so we don't we, we don't want to leave anybody out today so to those people who are taking care of anyone happy mother's day I'm going to reserve my comments for when we're off camera again you, you, you know what I'm trying to do here I'm trying to be more inclusive here yeah, you know, um, I'm trying to be more inclusive. So, you know, pet mothers, huh? So, everybody, if you are caring for someone, you're providing that maternal instinct to another living being. Happy Mother's Day. How about that? All right, sounds good to me. All right. We have a great show. We got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and get into it. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make it dealer's choice. I'm going to let you decide. Do you want to go into the action or do you want to go into the headlines? What you want? What you got today? Let, let's go it with the headlines, man. The action's going to be there, it, it, you know. Let's go with the, the headlines. All right. Well, that's that's what we will do. We're going to start this show off with the headlines. <laughs> this is Finding the Angles. Finding the Angles, this is where we talk about the things that people want to talk about in the combat sports talk or combat sports world or the MMA world. First one right off the bat, everybody's been talking about it. You know, new revelations coming out after the release of Diego Sanchez. We had a full show last week dedicated to Diego Sanchez and, you know, kind of the decline of his career and the rise of Josh Fabia, who really resulted in a turning point for Diego Sanchez. And so what we wanted to do was continue that a little bit with this, you know, with this our our headliner for the week. All right, Diego Sanchez said that he is fearing for his life after exposing the UFC. 
he's talking about Instagram and how robots are creating an anti-Fabia uh, narrative. And so one of the things he said is that he's, you know, he is fearful for his life. He said that, you know, he's fearful that this company, which is a billion dollar, and to his words, a billion dollar company monopoly, um, that there's going to come after him. And he says that something might happen to him in two years. You know, maybe a couple of years, maybe he wrecks his truck, or maybe it's a headline that says, oh, Diego overdosed or some or, or committed suicide. He says he doesn't know, but he would not put anything past the level of evil within the UFC. This is something that I think is very noteworthy. Number one, because Diego Sanchez is expressing these fears, and many people believe that Josh Fabia is the one who's putting these thoughts in Diego Sanchez's head. So, George, I want to kick it over to you. What are your What is your initial reaction about about uh, Diego Sanchez's concerns? Well, before I even go there, I I just want to say that our resident conspiracy theorist is not on the show, and this is a time when he, I, we absolutely need him here. So, John Keys, shout out to you. You're not here. If I had the uh, the, the soundboard, I'd be hitting the crow button for you right now. But back to this Diego thing, man. I got that crow button. I'm running the soundboard. <laughs> Dude, this is a case where just hearing how how far he's gone and thinking that the UFC would conspire against him when all they need to do is protect themselves legally from you know what they perceive as a um I guess a a lawsuit, an incoming lawsuit. <clears throat> What would the, the UFC have to gain by killing Sanchez? You know, I think that's a I think that's a relevant question. You know, you know, one would per, one person would say that they would want his silence because he's speaking out because he is quote in his terms exposing the UFC that in order for some of these big bombshells that he has that might rock the UFC and uh, bring this multi-billion dollar global company down that they would want to somehow silence him by making him look like he committed suicide. I'm sorry, but these bombshells he's dropping aren't um, career enders for the UFC in any shape, form, or fashion. So you got left at the airport. That's a simple phone call to a UFC executive to say, hey, can you send a car? Uh, what was the other thing he said? Oh, you don't like the way that the media is handling your 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 what your spotlight. Well, in this case, I don't think the media necessarily is the UFC. I mean, there, there's other media um, reporting on this, not just the UFC. And the UFC's media typically tends to be solely centered on actual fights. You know, the, the commentators are there to commentate on fights. They don't really talk a lot about what's going on around it, maybe a little bit. But the, the, the guys who, who are really weighing in heavy on Sanchez would be like <clears> – <throat> ESPN's Ariel Hawani, who Ariel has even said, you know what, I'm not going to talk much about it because Joshua Fabia um, basically went on a, uh, what was it, a text or a tirade of emails to him and was pretty belligerent to him. So he's like, I'm not giving this a platform or a voice. Yeah. I don't know, man. It it just, it, it really starts to reek to me that Sanchez is being led down a certain path by someone. I'm not saying it's Joshua, but you know, all signs indicate and point towards that. Um, no fighter that I know of has ever said anything even remotely like this. I know we're going to get into the, the Leslie Smith story at some point, mm -hmm. but 
Right. Like th this is the first I've ever heard that the UFC is flexing on somebody so hard that, you know, they feel that their life's in danger. Yeah. You know, but here's the thing is that what we know about the onset of CTE, you know, and, and we'll, we'll turn to the uh, to the NFL world on this is that, you know, within the NFL world, there are a lot of fighters out there who are not fighters, a lot of athletes who have committed suicide. And as the, after they've gone back, what they found is, is that each of these fighters had shown some level of CTE or some onset of CTE, you know. Um, and so when you're when you're thinking about that and we've always talked about Diego Sanchez having, um, you know, potentially having CTE. It's entirely possible that as he gets older and as this disease gets worse, that he could have suicidal ideation and ultimately act upon that, you know, or him acting out in a way that could potentially get him killed in another way. We've seen what's happened with people like BJ Penn, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Um, but how many times has BJ Penn gotten into a fight or gotten arrested for for, you know, uh creating a disturbance or even just driven off the road and, and had an accident. And, you know, when we start looking at these fighters that have taken substantial amounts of damage, Diego Sanchez, we, we talked about this one time ago in the past, Diego Sanchez ranks number one to the number of shots to the dome in the UFC. Well, Nobody has eaten more punches than Diego Sanchez. His coach is helping contribute to that number two, though. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that as well. So let's talk about it, though. You you mentioned Leslie Smith. So Leslie Smith, we know, is not a friend of the UFC. Leslie Smith is actively engaging in a in an attempt to build a fighters union. And so she is part of a class action lawsuit that's that's alleging that the UFC is a monopoly and using its monopoly power to keep fighters salaries low enforcing fighters into bad contracts and. Ultimately, what she and other fighters around her are attempting to do is to build a fighters union. Now, when this bombshell, if we want to call it that, uh, came out from Diego Sanchez, she says, well, you know, a lot of people think that Diego Sanchez is a little bit off his rocker, but there's some things that have happened that have been really peculiar in the past. And so she brings up a story that, um, you know, that she was talking about from uh, a, fr a friend or a colleague that she had uh, about BJ Penn. And so this was, um, uh, she says that this was in uh, the Joe Rogan Experience episode number 317. David uh, Cho uh, was a friend of the former, uh, a friend of the owner of the company uh, RVCA. And we've seen RVCA. They used to be, you know, very prominent before the Reebok uh, deal. <laughs> Um, I think uh, Junior Dos Santos used to be a, used to wear RVCA a whole lot, um, and it was a longtime sponsor of BJ Penn. He was asked to take a trip uh, in March of 2006 for UFC 58 in Vegas to do two things: deliver a pair of RVCA walkout pants to BJ Penn and place a forty thousand bet on BJ Penn to win the fight against George St. Pierre. Basically, according to this episode of Joe Rogan Experience that that Leslie Smith is sharing. The night of the weigh-ins, which was traditionally before the day before the fight, a man in the hotel room next to BJ Penn's, uh, who wasn't associated with BJ Penn in any way, strangled a prostitute um, and left her dead body in the hallway. 
um, right in front of BJ Penn's room. Even though, according to according to this story, even though they knew that BJ Penn didn't do it, they took him in for questioning that day, which means that that's the night before the fight. Uh, Chloe goes on to say that he called his buddy to ask if he still wanted to place a bet on BJ Penn winning the fight because BJ might be a little bit distracted. He placed the bet anyway. BJ Penn went on to lose the decision. Um, and she asked the question, how does that play into uh, a pre-fight distraction? So what she's alleging here is that somehow the UFC had a vested interest in George St. Pierre winning that fight. And so somehow the UFC orchestrated this distraction in order to get BJ Penn off his game. So she says this right after Diego Sanchez expresses his fears about going head to head with a multi-billion dollar uh, company. Leslie Smith is actively engaged in a head to head with this same multi-billion dollar company. And so it's a bit suspicious that she is bringing up this story at this time. So what's your reaction to that? Do conspiracy theories like this really uh, I'm all for a good conspiracy theory but some of these fighters have been hitting the head a little too much if they're going if they're throwing these kind of stones this is just over the top man yeah I I agree with you oh go ahead go ahead the UFC has been a company in good standing for 20 plus years now Um, and for anyone to you know impugn the UFC's character that they're out there attempting to commit murder, not even attempting, in this case, committed a murder, dropped the body off, and then Diego saying, hey, they potentially want to, are going to want to murder me in order to shut me up about what? Did I have CTE? Yeah, so, so something to that effect. I mean, according to, BJ, uh, according to Diego Sanchez, he's been around long enough to see things that UFC would rather not come to light, whatever that is. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always this, this, this potential bluff of I know things that you don't want me to tell that, you know, it's like if you know things and they're illegal, then tell them. Bring it to the authorities. Why, and let why us... are you protecting the UFC, Diego? Yeah, you know, it's like if, if you know <laughs> things, why, are you, why aren't you taking it? If it's illegal, why aren't you taking it to the authorities? You know, um, but I, I think that it's a bit ridiculous just because if you if you're a follower of the fight game, BJ Penn against even if that did happen to BJ Penn, he went out there and in the first round broke George St. Pierre's nose. George St. Pierre had to struggle and fight the entire fight, and he barely won that fight against BJ Penn. It was a super close fight. So I it doesn't appear that BJ Penn was affected in any way. With regards to um, to uh, what happened uh, allegedly uh, in 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 his hotel room the night before, but to bring it up and to suggest that somehow this correlation brings about causation, which is you know one of the biggest fallacies that you can have, is is also disingenuous on Leslie Smith, and I think hurts her credibility because it's like, why would you why would you bring up two things that aren't related? And 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 try to suggest somehow that they are. Mm-hmm. So you know, I it, this this is this is just you know just bad on Leslie Smith, you know, um, and and I'm not digging it. But that doesn't change the fact that 
Josh Fabia and Diego Sanchez are going head to head. And this is the next thing. So Josh Fabia then starts putting out that Dana White and Sean Shelby are sleeping with uh, female fighters who are signed to the UFC. So what do you think about that? I, I don't even know what to say about it, man. I, at this point, I, I don't. I, there's nothing Fabio wouldn't do. I mean, he released the videos that he thought somehow showed the the UFC in bad light. He obviously he just released this video of him inverted beating on uh, Diego. Well, he but, didn't release it. He didn't. Re- I don't think he released it. I think people who had he, access to it released it. Someone recorded it, and they knew it was being recorded. Oh yeah, this is true. So, I mean, you know, at this point, man, the UFC did the right thing. Cut Diego, cut, cut the, the, these, what, what would you call them? Um, these bad roots out of the tree, get them out of there. Mm-hmm. So I, I hate it for Diego because, you know, he, he's had such a, a stellar and, and, and tried career with the UFC. I, I, I would have liked to have seen him go out on a better note, but unfortunately, it is what it is, man. Yeah, and and, and that's the case. But, you know, I think that part of this is Josh Fabia trying to put up the smoke screen to get the heat off of him because everybody's pissed at, at, at Josh Fabia at this point. I don't know that there's anybody save Leslie Smith who's coming to the aid of Josh Fabia in this. Everybody, as far as I've seen, I haven't seen anyone say that Josh Fabia is right in this or that he has some type of high ground that he's operating from. Everybody is like, this guy is crazy. And then the video comes out and you talked about it. So a video was released on YouTube. And and this is where Ariel Hawani, who typically tries to be a bit objective and, 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 and not really taking sides, is like, listen, I can't even take a, I can't even be objective on this. I've got to say something. And it's a video of Diego Sanchez upside down swinging from a rope or I don't know how he's hanging from a rafter or whatever, but he's upside down and Josh Fabia is clearly punching Diego Sanchez in the head and kicking him as he swings back and forth upside down. Now we talked about it last week with some very unusual training methods that Josh Fabia employed, namely him chasing fighters around with a knife yelling everything is a knife and to now see this what looks like some type of meditation exercise where diego sanchez is eyes closed swinging upside down with his hands kind of in a in a a prayer position or covered his face and and you've got fabia punching and hitting diego in the head and kicking him as he swings like that is so bizarre. It is bizarre to the to the level of disturbing. Yeah. Dude, these two remind me almost like a, a, a comedy parody of Batman and Robin in a Batcave doing stuff like that. Diego's Batman, he's hanging upside down, and his Robin is doing all these things to him. And it this story is getting odder and odder by the moment. I'm just waiting to see what's going to drop next because you know there's going to be more. Well, there actually is. And so there's see another that? video that releases. Imagine that. <laughs> there, there's another video that released of Josh Fabia with a belt 
hitting Diego Sanchez like 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 Indiana Jones or or maybe uh uh you know that 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 scene from Glory when De- when 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 Denzel Washington cries that single tear, you know that you know that scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That that's Josh Fabia swinging this belt like a whip, trying trying to hit Diego Sanchez. I. What what are you training? What in what in what scenario is a person gonna have that kind of reach on Diego Sanchez? <laughs> like if if you can if you can dodge a wrench, then you can dodge a ball. If you can dodge a belt, you can dodge a punch. I guess that's the logic. Like we getting our we getting our training methods off a of dodgeball now. Man, you know there's there's a thing out there with body conditioning, but coaches. Fighters, people who train, typically don't strike other people in the head for the purpose of you can't condition the head. You can't condition the brain. You can condition the body to some degree. So you'll you'll see guys work body shots just to get you used to accepting a shot, being able to breathe through a shot, things like that. Mm-hmm. But the things Josh Josh Fabia Fabia is doing, kicking Diego in the head upside down, punching him in the head, slapping him in the in the head, beating him with the belt. Chasing after him with a knife. Do people call child protective services for acts like this? <laughs> That's all like you know. This is yeah. criminal. This- it, it it it's pretty crazy because you know at the end of the day you got you got the fact that the the fight game has been around for longer than the UFC, right? Mm-hmm. So we know what training methods and what traditional training methods are look like, and even if you right. start to stretch outside of traditional training methods then you know what you end up getting is people should be able to see the the therapeutic or otherwise value of the exercise i don't know to your point how you could say that punching somebody in the head no matter how hard you're punching them is 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 therapeutic it's just not so so speaking of getting punched in the head Canelo Alvarez adds the WBO superweight title to collection after Billy Joe Saunders fails to get off the stool in the eighth. It was the uppercut from hell that broke his orbital, as what many people are saying. His eyes swole slowly. Swole. There you go. Say that three times fast. Slowly swole uh, shut. And eventually, uh, the, the, the the corner... I guess you could say they threw in the towel or they just basically he did not answer the bell. And so therefore, uh, Canelo Alvarez emerged as the champion. He has one last belt to get, and that is the IBF Super Middleweight Championship. And that is being held by Caleb Plant. And if Canelo, who is already ready to fight that fight, he gets that. He will unify all of the super middleweight belts and become the undisputed Super middleweight champion. I was gonna say, who's the guy that, that holds that the IBF belt? Uh, his name is Caleb Plant. Is he the guy that was in the video um, arguing back and forth with Canelo? Have you seen that? Uh, it, it probably is uh, because that's the last belt um, that he has to get, and it would make sense that if you were a promotion, a promoter worth your salt, that you would have Caleb Plant sitting in the audience ready to cause a scene. Um, you know, before that, uh, you know, or after that fight, if Canelo won. So either way, because all the belts were on the line that night, 
um, Canelo was either going to walk away as the as the you know the WBO super super middleweight champion along with the WBA and the WBC. Um, the IBF is the last one to get. So either way, somebody was going to get a call out and going to make a call out to Caleb Plant to unify the titles. Mm. Now, this is where I wish that mixed martial arts had this structure so that you could unify the Bellator, the 1FC, and the UFC uh, title and become the undisputed MMA champion of the world. Because the fact is, Francis Ngannou is great, and we believe Francis Ngannou is the most dangerous and, and, and the baddest man on the planet. But the fact is, is that Brendan Vera, Brendan the Truth Vera, he's still holding the heavyweight strap at 1FC. And Ryan Bader, even though that joker is a, is a light heavyweight, is still the heavyweight champion of Bellator. PFL, we we could go there. We're going to talk about those later on too. Yeah, we we could go PFL. The only thing about PFL is that they don't have a true, true reigning champion because they have seasons. You win the championship season, but okay. you are not yeah. their heavyweight champion. So that's the only reason why I left PFL out. But to your point, yes, you could also unify that belt as well or that championship as well. So I wish that we'd had it that way, but it, because the structure is so different in um in, in the MMA world and in, in the UFC that you, you just can't get that true heavyweight champion of the world. Mm. That, so you know that would be an interesting uh dynamic if we did have something like that where fighters were able to float between those organizations at will um uh, and could pull belts and and that kind of thing. That would that would be interesting to see how that would play out. How it would would affect pay how it would affect your ability to, I guess, um, garner a fight, you know, because, hey, this fight over here is a little bit more interesting than this one, that kind of thing. Well, it, it would it would it would have upward pressure on on salaries simply because of the fact that now you've got an external body who owns the belts. That's the thing that isn't happening right now in MMA world, right, is the fact that. Each promotion owns its own belt and not a federation that's that's a third party objective, uh, you know, objective third party. So if there was, um, let's see, a world um, martial arts, the WMA. C. All right. WMAC World Martial Arts. Company or whatever commission. <laughs> So let's pretend that there's a world mixed world martial arts commission. And so they have a a belt that is the world belt that anybody can fight for. And they have a ladder of 100 fighters from every one of the promotions. So now the UFC is trying to get a fight between Brandon Vera and Francis Ngannou. But now they've got a they've got a bid on how much they are willing to pay and how big the purse is going to be so that the WMAC will allow the UFC to hold that fight. Mm -hmm. So now that's how the, that's how that begins to escalate or increase the, the value of the fighters, because now one FC is like, well, we want it on in at the one FC uh, event. So we're going to, we're going to make the purse $50 million. That's 25 million a fighter right there. 
UFC is like, no, we're going to do it for 100 million. That's 50 million a fighter. Because once the UFC puts that fight on, that fight could be, we might end up paying $99 per pay-per-view for that, right? And so they're going to make their money. Week? Oh, go ahead. You remember last week when you said, hey, uh, you'd like to reach out to John Jones to be his uh, his Twitter manager? Yep. This is another thing you need to put in there with it. Your ability to, to garner money for a fight for him. <laughs> That's right. Hey, let me let me be your business development manager, uh, uh, John Jones. I, I I can get you that thirty million if you want that. If you if you want Deontay Wilder money, I can get you Deontay Wilder money. If you want half of Deontay Wilder's money, I can get you half of Deontay Wilder's money. Just 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 come at me, bro. That's all I'm saying. I mean, but don't come at me like that. Don't come for me. Come at me, right? <laughs> Come see me. Well, How about that? <laughs> the way you just broke this down, though, it clearly explains and, and plays out to a common person why there's such a discrepancy in pay between boxing and MMA. Right. It, 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 like that. That just really laid it out in very simple terms. Easy to understand, man. And it, it's, it's what's crazy is this is an easily solved problem, except People like the UFC and One F Championship don't like giving up power over things that they already have. No, no one wants to succeed or what do you call it uh, to give up, you know, something that they they have control over. Right. Well, and you know what? It's really not One FC because they've done crossovers with um with I I, I think One FC has done crossover with Ryzen, and I think Ryzen has done crossovers with Bellator. Um, mm-hmm. and so there are some crossover fights, and I think that. You know, the, the UFC, because its brand is so strong, it doesn't want to give, you know, be wind, wind underneath these other promotions wings. But at the end of the day, if you have the best fighters. If you have the best fighters, then you only have something to gain. Yeah, because your negotiation power is going to be like that. You could end this conversation really quick. You could end it really quick. Put in put. You know, put someone like Francis Ngannou up against the heavyweight heavyweights around, you know, the other big promotions. Francis Ngannou should win that fight. You know, you're putting someone like Kamaru Usman up against these other welterweights. I like Kamaru Usman's odds. Like you can pick and choose where you want to have these fights. And the fact is, is that I think that you've got enough talent in the UFC that with the exception of maybe light heavyweight. And I'm not trying to piss off uh, uh, Jan Blachowicz. But maybe Bellator has a light heavyweight that could contend with with Blachowicz. I'm, I'm going to argue with you, though, because, I mean, just look what happened to, to DJ over at one championship. Y- yes, I, DJ did lose the, the championship fight. But number one, the championship fight had knees. And DJ typically didn't fight with knees. Number two, um, flyweight is 135 pounds, where DJ saw all of his success at 125 pounds. Um, and, you know, the, the the fact is, is that, yeah, so maybe 1FC has a really good 135-pound guy, but they're not as deep. They're not as deep at 145, 155, 160, 175, or 170, 185. They're not going to have that roster that the UFC has, even 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 if they do have it at 135 or 145, which I don't think they do. Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky, I like them over a lot of other people. Um, so but speaking of call outs and and, you know, Caleb Plant and and 
and Canelo Alvarez arguing, creating kind of a scene, if you will. The scene was stolen earlier in the week by Jake Paul and the hashtag <laughs> gotcha hat. So you know he got it tat he got it tatted on his leg now. Yeah. So so why would Jake Paul get a tattoo of gotcha hat and a picture of a hat tattooed on his leg? Well, because his brother, Logan Paul, um, these two YouTubers who who are trying to make a name for themselves in the world of boxing by boxing people who are not active boxers, um, is his brother Logan Paul is scheduled to fight one of the greatest boxers of all time, Floyd Mayweather. And so at a press conference where Logan Paul and, and, and Floyd Mayweather were supposed to meet, um, Jake Paul confronted uh, Floyd Mayweather, and as they stood toe-to-toe talking smack to each other, Jake Paul reaches over, yanks the hat off of Floyd Mayweather's head, yells, gotcha hat, and tries to run in a throng of people. <laughs> he does not make it very far. And whereas Floyd Mayweather may be a great boxer, he's a smaller dude. There's some not-so-great boxers that are giant dudes that are his bodyguards, and they they showed Jake Paul what it feels like to, 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 to suffer some consequences. Mm. You know, these guys are doing a great job of promoting this fight. So whoever is, what's the word? uh, This promotion team needs to be hooked up with the UFC, hooked up with one championship, hooked up with Bellator, because they are doing a phenomenal job at promoting this fight. So here's the thing, though, because, you know, if Kalechi was here, he would, you know, and, and, Kalechi didn't even want us to cover this this story on the show, for one. I like, know. For those of you who want to know some of the behind the scenes, when this happened, I'm like, okay, this is definitely going on the show. Kalechi's like, no, we should not be celebrating or otherwise dis- yeah, condoning the actions and behavior of the Jake Paul and Logan Paul brothers. Like they, he He's like, in bringing this up, we are some in some way condoning and giving lift to this. And it's like, well, you know, because we cover stories, it's a story that people are talking about. And so we need to cover it, but we don't we don't have to celebrate it. And, you know, for me, I personally think that this is wrong and Floyd shouldn't actually be fighting Logan Paul because I think that it tarnishes his his career. Um, even if he wins, because he's got everything to lose. If he wins, everyone's like, yeah. You're you're a great boxer and you beat up a guy that has like a, you know, he's fought less than three fights or five fights. Um, you, you know, if he loses, then it's like Floyd Mayweather. You got beat by a YouTuber like there, Floyd has nothing to gain. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and at this point, how much more money do you need? Really? Like one hundred million dollars. Does he is he is he that bad off that he needs one hundred million dollars? Bruh, $100 million on the table. Easy for you to grab. This is like taking candy for from a baby for him. Is it, though? That's the thing, is that we expect that it's easy for him as an elite fighter to take this candy from this baby who is a barely a professional, who hardly has any, 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 any experience. But Logan Paul is a big guy and he's not just some sloven 
YouTuber that just sits and and he actually is athletic. We talk about a puncher's chance. This could be that time where one punch lands, and then what happens? One hundred million dollars. <laughs> I guess, but you know, I, I just think that it, it it is something. It does say something about our society when we are excited about a fight like this, and you know, we get excited so, to see these antics to play out. Um, you know, on the screen. This goes back to Kalechi's point. the The basis of this fight, in of itself, is not exciting at all. No, there's no reason why anyone wants to see this fight. There's nothing compelling bringing you to this fight. But the promotion taking place around the fight is creating that buzz. You get what I'm saying? So I I get what Kalechi's saying. Hey, man, we shouldn't even, you know, we we shouldn't be co-signing these kind of antics. But what what, uh, Jake Paul just did is reminiscent of Conor taking Aldo's belt and Mm -hmm. parading around in the room with it. It's the same thing. It is. So, you know, big props to, to the promotion team over there um, at, what is it, uh, TMT and, and the Jake Paul brothers. And they, they, look, these other fighters need to be taking note. I disagree with you. I, I, I think that this that this is and, and this is why wait, and this is why this episode is called when MMA you know, well, the effect of WWE on MMA or on combat sports like this is it when we start saying that this is good promotion, that it's not just the interest of the fight to see if this fighter who is elite is as good as this fighter who is also elite to see what these two will do against each other. That's not the interest. That's not what we are interested in seeing. What We're interested in seeing is people brawling out on, you know, on the sidewalk over a hat. That's what we want to see. No, not so much that. No, not the brawling out part, but just the the storyline between, like like you said, the fact that he actually took the hat and upset Floyd. You know, and Floyd's reaction to it. No, no one wants to see the brawl out. No one wants to see Floyd's bodyguards pouncing all over Jake Paul. Blah blah blah. But w- what I am saying is t- to you is already just with the gotcha hat. Uh, merchandise or getting the tattoo that part of what I'm talking about promotion he he just posted a video where he's laid up eating a sandwich or something getting his tattoo and it's got like a million views already that's what I mean by promotion you know he he's stoking the fires or the flame for the fight sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> you're good. So you're um, over there stuff. Look, yeah. See, even you, you're dealing with promotion. You're you're, you're put, putting things together. Yeah. Well, sorry about that. I, so, but that, but that is it. Is that yes? But now we're celebrating it and we're encouraging people to do this in future fights. Like, no, 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 no. But, no, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's encouraging them to do this in future fights because what are we seeing? We're seeing that more eyeballs, more views more click-throughs are coming because of these antics so it serves it serves to logic that if you want more eyeballs then you need more antics if you want to get people talking about your your fight you need to do what jake paul and what floyd mayweather and logan and logan paul have done and that's the that's the thing is that it just moves us down a path to where 
the person who was willing to do the most extreme thing or to quote uh to quote the one of the one of my favorite movies they realized that to be in power you just needed the will to do what the other guy wouldn't that the more you're willing to do what other people won't the farther the more eyeballs you will get and so as a result i am concerned that by saying that they're doing a great job promoting this fight that future fights will need to do this in order to get the same level of promotion because at the end of the day, it's $100 million at stake. And, uh, do you remember doing the Floyd and Connor fight and Connor smacked Floyd on his ball head in mm-hmm. the press conference? Okay. Floyd didn't have this kind of reaction. He sat there and smiled about it, took it, and let it go on. You know why? Why? Because there's money involved in this. Why was his reaction to snatching the hat so different? I I I think that there is <clears throat> there's I think there's probably a lot of things that could probably have been different. That sitting at a press conference versus being surrounded by a whole bunch of people. You know, there's energy in the number of people that were all around them versus a press conference. Um, You know, that's probably one of them. Number two, if you want to say that this is all promotional stick, then the the, the Conor McGregor uh, Floyd Mayweather fight was already going to make lots of money. People wanted to see that fight. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there are as many people want to see logan paul versus floyd mayweather so if we are going down the path of this is all promotional shtick then that's another thing he doesn't have to jump up because that it's not going to get them more money by fighting conor mcgregor at the press conference but it could potentially get more people because now the video of floyd mayweather attacking jake paul circulated not only the combat sports community but also jake paul and logan paul's uh uh, fan YouTube base as community. well so so there is there is actual value if you will in in reacting differently there versus uh versus against conor mcgregor and also the fact is if that floyd mayweather would have jumped on conor mcgregor he might have gotten a double leg takedown even though he's not a wrestler conor <laughs> still has some bjj and so you know i, floyd, I didn't floyd think mayweather about it from that part. you might have got trounced for free huh yeah so you know so it's it's one of those things where i i i I agree with kalechi in the fact that it sets a bad precedent i don't like what that says about what future people have to do because theoretically the fact that connor did slap floyd mayweather on his head may have led to the hat getting snatched this time, which may lead to throw by somebody throwing a punch in the future at Floyd Mayweather. But it also says that when Conor McGregor came on the scene and started talking all that trash, it eventually led to people like Colby Covington. It eventually led to other people who started acting out in order to get the eyes, because at the end of the day, it's the antics and the willingness to do what the next man won't that gives you that power to be able to call your shots. 
And we've seen it time and time again in the MMA world. And we're seeing it happen again with two YouTubers who are literally calling out everybody they can to get as many eyeballs as they can, because every eyeball they get on their YouTube page is dollars in their pocket. Good press, bad press. It's dollars for them. And that's all they really care about. Mm. Let's go on. <laughs> so. One of the things that we want that we didn't talk about uh, that we're going to talk about is UFC Vegas 26. We're going to get into that. But one of the fights that didn't actually happen is something that hits a little bit closer to home for us because um, there was a flyweight bout between Ryan Benoit and Zaruk Adeslav Adeshev. There you go. Adeshev. Don't ask me how to say it. Adeshev. Zaruk Adeshev. You're not getting me this time. Zaruk. What's his first name? Adeshev. Oh, Zaruk. Zaruk. Adeshev. Hmm. Not getting me this time. Shout out to Ava. Shout out. I got it. Shout out to Ava. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's his name one more time? Zaruk, Zaruk Adeshev. There you go. Um, okay. And I'll let so, you fly with that one. Thank you. Uh, so Ryan Benoit actually is from our is from the dfw area and i think you actually have trained and know ryan benoit very well yeah he's one of my teammates over at saxon saxon muay thai um dude this was heartbreaking to see you know the the video footage of him going up um on the scale and then turning around walking off i think going to see the doctors and then they sent him back I, i i you know i didn't understand what was going on there but my heart goes out to him, man. I haven't talked to him uh, since, but I hope he's all right. Yeah, I, I do, too. Um, you know, we have talked about him a lot on the show. You know, we consider him a hometown hero um, for b- making it to the UFC. You know, he uh, famously beat the, what we'll talk about later, the new Bellator champion in Sergio Pettis, <laughs> and then kicked him in the butt on the way out. Um <laughs> Kalechi and I were there live for we were live for that. We went to the fight. It was here in Dallas. Um, And and so, uh, you know, we followed his career and, you know, it's it's a career that's growing in the UFC. So to see him push his body to the limits that it 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 had uh, to where he needed help even standing um, on the, the scale suggests that perhaps something went wrong with weight cut. And and he may not have been able to perform the next night. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well when we get into the George Neal and Neil Magny fight. So, you know, shout out to Ryan Benoit. We hope that the babyface um, babyface is, is it babyface killer or just babyface? Just babyface. OK, we hope that uh, that that Ryan Benoit is is recovering and that this this never happens to him again. Uh, last one of the headlines before we get into into the results from last week's fights. Uh, Kamara Usman versus Marvin Vittori. That's the question. The Nigerian nightmare eyes a second UFC belt with a style bender upset. And it was the bizarre thing because, of course, all of the 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 champions who are, you know, were born in Africa. They're kind of creating this, you know, this this um, community, if you will, or this this coalition of fighters and so they asked him whether or not he had cleared out the welterweight division enough to be able to move up to 185 and he said well i wouldn't 
dare go up to 185 as long as is Israel Adesanya is the champion. He said very, very recently that, you know, he would much rather, you know, two Africans with a belt versus one African with two belts. Um, and so he uh, he said that he would not go up to middleweight for as long as Israel Adesanya was the champion of that division. However, Israel Adesanya is fighting Marvin Vittori. And so Kumaru Usman was talking about that he would indeed go up and fight for the title if Vittori won. And I just thought that that was just weird. Because it's like, why would you even entertain that question? Because that would suggest that you would some that that Israel Adesanya, your countryman and your 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 brother, would would ha- somehow lose. I don't know. I didn't get to see the clips on this or anything like that. But I'm I'm assuming it was some random reporter just tossing out crazy questions. Yeah, what he said was because um, because they were asking him about the Nate uh, the Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards fight, whether or not the winner of that fight would fight for the title because everyone because Dana said that Colby Covington was next in line and uh, Kamar Usman doesn't want to fight Colby Covington again because Colby has been basically sitting on the bench waiting for his for his turn. Um, but what he said, and this is quoted, um, this quoted to ESPN transcribed by MMA fighting with the whole Marvin and Israel situation. I don't necessarily want to think about that. I'm 100 percent behind Izzy and I think he can pull it out. I love Marvin as well, but I think Izzy can pull that one out. He's done it before, and I think he can do. I think he can, and he will. But if there was a case where I would actually go up and challenge for that belt, it would be without Izzy being in the picture. So if Izzy's not the champ, then it's something I would take a look at. Don't answer. Don't answer that question, Kamaru. Don't answer that question. <laughs> Just don't answer it. Let me. Let me be your PR guy. Let me. I'll take you on, and I'll take John Jones on. Tell you. Don't answer any <laughs> questions that involve you having to hold that middleweight belt until after something bad has happened to Izzy. You don't even want to entertain that because it just it just says that you somehow are thinking about going up for that 185 pound strap. Mm-mm. It don't even It reminds there. me of <clears throat> back when uh Cain Velasquez was uh the heavyweight champ and DC was always getting that push, like, "Hey, well, you know, you 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 used to fight in the heavyweight. Why not? Why not now?" He's like, "Because that's my my teammate. There's no way I'm going to entertain even fighting in that division until he's no longer, you know, the champ there." And he didn't. Right. <coughs> but it would be insane if if Kane Velasquez is fighting against who did Kane lose to? Kane lost to 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 Stipe, right? Uh, he also lost to Francis. Yeah, but he lost the steep. He lost the belt to to Stipe, oh. I think. I think, yo, if you're if you're if you're listening, message me if I'm wrong. I'm doing this by memory. I'm not looking at at, at anything when I'm doing that. But it would be crazy if if St- if Stipe Miocic and Cain Velasquez are scheduled to fight. Dana White's, an- I mean, uh, D- Daniel Cormier is answering a question of whether or not you know, like, yeah, I believe that Cain is going to win, but I could move up to heavyweight if he loses. Right before the dude's gonna fight, like, no, don't answer that question. You stay, you just stay in the. Cain Velasquez is my boy, or Israel Adesanya is my boy. I am a hundred percent in his corner. I'm not even entertaining it. I am a hundred and seventy five pound champion, and that is it. That is your line. You stay on that line. Don't even mention Marvin Vittori's name. 
I like it. I like it. Keep All right. you around and make sure you're my PR guy too. That's right. And look, I'll give you my services for free until you start making like big bank. Then I'll be like, yo, yo, remember I said it for free on the show? Lost that clip. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about it. There was a lot of action um, on this past week. We're going to talk about three of the major promotions and what was going on there. This is the official decision. Official decision. This is where we look at the results from the fights this past weekend, and then we're going to go into the fights plan for this upcoming weekend. First one we're going to talk about is actually happening, happened on May 6th. This is PFL3 for Doom versus Ferreira, May 6th, 2021, at the Ocean Casino Resort in Atlanta City, New Jersey. So, of course, PFL is the most unique promotion because they have an actual season. Uh, where fighters fight in a bit of a round-robin tournament to qualify for the playoffs, where then it becomes a single elimination tournament for a champion who will win a $1 million purse. So that's a really super interesting thing. And so we're going through that initial prelims, if you will, period. And um, there were three fights on the main card. The first one was Larissa Pacheo, who defeated Julia Pajic via TKO in round one. Last, last year's... Name again? <laughs> Which one? Pacheco, either <laughs> Pacheco and Pajic. Okay. Um, last year's champion Kayla Harrison defeated Mariana Morjes, uh via TKO in round one. She's pretty dominant in that performance. Just basically mounted her and just punched her in the face for like thirty seconds before they actually brought it in. Uh, uh, called the fight like it was it, that fight should have been called a bit earlier. And then in the main event of the evening, Henan Fajera. Versus Fabricio Verdum. Fajera defeated Fabricio Verdum via, t via knockout uh, strikes round number one, 232. And so when we're talking about how the combat sports world is bending towards WWE, this is the pinfall that, that wasn't. This is where the referee slapped his hand three times, and, and, but the fight didn't end. And next thing you know, the other fighter wins. This is that controversy that we've seen so many times in the squared circle. But this happened at the PFL. And so Fabricio Verdum was very upset. When the fight started, Fabricio took down his opponent, basically grappled all the way to um, a dominant position. The position was reversed, but in getting the reversal, um, Fabricio Verdun was able to get an arm barred triangle, which is a very cool position. But all the while, his head is exposed, and the free arm of Henan Ferreira is just sitting there and just pounding on Fabricio Verdun. As the position got tighter and tighter, and Fabricio looked like he was going to win, it appeared as though Henan uh, Ferreira tapped in submission to Fabricio Verdun who released the hold, but it didn't get called by the referee. And so Fajera, being of the veteran that he is, kept dropping bombs on Fabricio Verdum and eventually knocked Verdum out for the victory, upsetting, you know, one of the great heavyweight champions in mixed martial arts. When I looked at the video, <clears throat> I, I heard what you referred to as the phantom tap. 
you know, it's hard to tell for sure what, what the intent was there. You know, it, I saw the hand move. I, I don't know if he was just adjusting or what. Ideally, yeah, I would have thought that he had tapped. Um, but speaking of a veteran move, Fabricio has been around long enough to know you don't stop until the referee pulls you off of someone. This is the true. fight is not over until the referee stops the fight. This is very true. I, I got the video. This is this is the video. So you're gonna hear. Um, this is from PFL's uh, post fight comments. Um, they're talking to Fabricio Verdum. So you're gonna hear the voice of their commentator and Fabricio Verdum talking over. But keep your eye and let me and and watch this tap uh, for those of you who are watching uh, the live video. If you're listening to the audio, then this is a good reason for you to support us on YouTube or anywhere where our uh, our video is shown. Here we go. So this is the position. Ferreira has now reversed that position, and now he's on top, and Fabricio has the arm bar and the triangle. So here we go. So he's dropping bombs. So here we go. One, two. And then he starts punching again. So there it is. There it is. So my my thought on this is because he there was there was even though we saw the hand look as if it tapped, he immediately went to throwing punches. So in in my head, I can't help but think that that wasn't a tap because if he had tapped, it, he would. It, normally, when people tap, they release themselves like they you know there's that ugh, you see the shoulders drop and everything's like oh I gave up. And that's not what I saw there. You hear what I'm saying? Yep. I, I think that's a that's a great call in the fact that he kept fighting. So even if he did did tap, it wasn't one where you you should let go because you're still in danger. He threw a punch right after that. But yeah. you might recall, and I don't remember when this when this happened, but this happened in the past, some let's say three to five years ago, where somebody appeared to tap and the the fighter let the hold go thinking that the fight was over but the referee did not call the fight over there is something that happens in training and the reason why i call it a phantom tap is because a lot of times in training whenever you're rolling around you'll get in you'll get into a submission hold and because it's just training you'll just do this little this little um if you can see it here a little tap like double that tap. right just a little double tap to say okay you got me if you watch, like, remember they used to do the Gracie breakdowns. Hinnon and, and, uh Gracie would do the Gracie breakdowns. Once they showed the position, that you'd give a little tap and the and the guy would let go. It looks to me like that was a quote training tap, where it was like, oh, there you go, let me go, let me go, Fabricio, you got me. And Fabricio's like, ah, oh, finally I won. And you know, it's like, ah, uh -uh, no, 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 you didn't win. That was a phantom tap. You just got got. And so. Uh, usually we see people when they tap, you, like you said, it's a shoulder shrug. They release the hold. They don't keep fighting, but we also see more than just two taps. It's usually like several taps or three taps or, or something like that. That's much more visible, but because the referee didn't pull him off, didn't tell him to stop the hole. You know, this isn't Husamar Palhares who used to keep those leg locks in and the referee would have to. <laughs> crowbar him jaws of life him off of the guy this is just you gotta have the referee see it at least start yelling he tapped he tapped mm -hmm. 
So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because um, I understand that Fabricio is probably going to appeal the decision. Yep. Do, do you know where this fight took place? It was in where? Jersey? Uh, it was but in yeah, New Jersey, think, yeah. Atlantic City, New Jersey. Yeah. I think they do have a, a pretty good commission up there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens as a result of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but looking at the looking at the video, honestly, man, I, I can't say clearly that I, I feel like the guy was tapping. All right. What did uh, you think? I, I I I I think that it, it I think that it w- it could have been a tap if the if the referee had been in a better position, I think that it would have been called a tap. Um, but because he kept fighting, Fabricio should not have let go of that position. Um, mm-hmm. and so because of that, it wasn't a tap. The dude kept fighting. Mm-hmm. The referee didn't call it didn't didn't call the fight. So it was not a tap based upon what what the judging in the ring and the action in the ring suggested you got, got Fabricio. I'm sorry. You got, got mm. Friday night was Bellator 258 Archuleta versus Pettis. This is the fight that we covered last week. Get that crow button ready. You, you know what? <laughs> I don't even like you right now. I don't even like you right now. So there were four fights on the card. Michael Venom Page defeated Derek Anderson via TKO. Face kick. That's all it took. Yeah. One well-placed kick to the face. His nose, he lost the nose. I mean, the, the nose looked like sunken in, like freaking, uh, the, just like, what's the name nasty. of that? It was pretty nasty. I was trying to come up with an analogy, but I couldn't come up with one. Um, Peter Q. Alley defeated uh, Patricky Pitbull, not Ferrer. He goes by Pitbull. Uh, via TKO cut stoppage. Uh, this is one I think. A Q, a Q Alley is also a Fortis guy, isn't he? I'm not familiar with him. I think he's a Fortis guy. So you know, uh, you might we might want to check that. I think he's a Fortis dude. Um, okay. This is just going to show how DFW, more the FW, but still, <laughs> uh, is is really coming on the MMA scene. We've got a lot of Fortis fighters what, what, who are making waves. What do you mean more the FW? Where's Fortis located? In Dallas. In I thought it was in Fort oh, Worth. Yeah. Oh, you don't even know where it is. Oh, look at you. You Listen. casual. Okay, I'm hold on, hold the on. Casual police on you. Hey, hey, look, look. No casual. <laughs> this is a no casual zone. Hey, is let me ask one question. I need you to be honest. Okay. Is Fortis located north or south of six thirty five? I love you. <laughs> because if you so guys know your Dallas job, know, yeah, go Ryan ahead. does not travel <laughs> south of 635. Yeah. So <laughs> if you, you got to know, you got to know Dallas's geography a little bit, but there are several major freeways that go east west in uh, in Dallas. And so at the very top, you've got 380, and that is basically Canada. Okay. South of 380 <laughs> is 121 which is basically Oklahoma, okay? South of that is George Bush Turnpike, which is where most people live between 121 and, and George Bush. Most people, me. <laughs> and, then, and then south of, of, of George Bush, you've got 635. And then even south of 635, you've got Northwest Highway, right? Um, I do not acknowledge anything south of 635 because i never i never go south of 635 
Now, I claim Dallas for people who don't know the geography, but I don't live in Dallas. I live far from Dallas, to be honest. <laughs> so if Fortis is south of 635, does it really exist? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Well, yes. Fortis is is it in Mexico? In Dallas. It's in Dallas. There you go. It's far south. Is that South America? Is that Brazil? <laughs> Downtown okay. Dallas, baby. It's downtown Dallas. I, we, I should take a trip there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get a caravan and three weeks worth of food, but I'll get there. See there? There you go. <laughs> anyway, Wait, Anthony. Yeah, I, okay. yeah I, I wasn't aware that he was from Fortis, so. I, I think he is. I look, look into it. I think he is. Um, and, and so I was reading a story, and I, I vaguely remember them saying that Patricky Pitbull lost to a Fortis uh, pro, uh, prospect. Um, Anthony, the, the, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say that the DFW area in general, when it comes to combat sports, is really you know uh, making a, a a rise or a name for itself all around. Man, I, I I I hear it from guys who come in to visit us. They're like, man, we didn't realize that Dallas that you know that Dallas is on the map like that when it comes to MMA and or fighting in general, or even just the, the quality of training that's taking place here in the DFW area. Yeah. Well, no, it says he's fighting out of Dublin, Ireland. So I must be, I must be, I must be wrong on that one. It says he's okay. he he's affiliated with SBC Ireland. So that would SBG Ireland, which would be that he's a he's a Conor McGregor guy. He's a Conor teammate. Okay. So my bad, my bad. That's why we look things up during the show. <laughs> um, Anthony Rumble Johnson. <laughs> defeated uh i guess it's jose or maybe it's jose i don't know where he's from uh augusto is he's from uh, brazil he's i think he's brazilian yeah so jose augusto via knockout now augusto started off looking pretty good anthony johnson he clipped anthony anthony got got rocked yeah and 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 then you know sometimes the 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 gazelle you know, gets a gets an antler into a lion every once in a while, but the lion still eats. And Anthony Johnson put him to sleep. It was not. It was not pretty. <laughs> no not, TKO not there. It was just KO. <laughs> and that was a, a short notice fight for uh, Jose as well. He was right. supposed to be fighting Yoel, correct? Correct. But Yoel did not pass uh, medical medical tests and uh, was not medically fit to to fight. So we don't know exactly what oh. that was. Who did you have in this fight? Who did I have? Yes. Yeah. N- Look, we can go back to the record here. Um, the record shows it's real, real simple. Yeah, let, let me just flip over to one sixty nine real quick. Yeah, one sixty nine. Johnson, <clears throat> George Stallworth, and Ryan Smith. The one that we both right. need to get the uh, the crow on was the last fight, Peter Kuali <laughs> versus uh, Pitbull. We both had Pitbull. And then, uh, in the main event of the evening, Juan Archuleta versus Sergio Pettis. I did not believe in Sergio Pettis, but George Stallworth did, so I get the crow. Because Sergio Pettis defeated Juan Archuleta via unanimous decision to take the title. The 135-pound bantamweight title is now held by Sergio Pettis. People are going to ignore the fact that Sergio Pettis was a former UFC fighter, 
because they only call out former UFC fighters when they lose in other promotions, not when they win. Mm. So uh, Sergio Pettis, and it was a pretty dominant performance, 50-45, 49-46, 49-46. So two judges had it 4-1, to one and, and one judge had it 5-0. That's as dominant a performance as you're going to get without a finish. All right, and then finally, UFC Vegas 26. We talked about Ryan Benoit and how he was not able to compete on this card, but this card had a lot of people who weren't able to compete um, due to COVID yeah. and other reasons. So the um, Mar- Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Waterson became the main event of the evening. Diego Ferreira fought Gre- Gregor Gillespie, and Gregor Gillespie, even though he lost to, to Kevin Lee uh, you know, some time ago, Gregor Gillespie is a knockout artist. I would pick him almost every day of the week. Like that dude is great. And he kept his knockout streak going with a uh, defeat of uh, Diego Ferreira by TKO at 451 of round number two. This was a a very good fight, man. A lot of chain wrestling taking place. Mm -hmm. Um, I I expected Diego to, to fare a lot better against Gillespie. I think, uh, Leslie was the underdog in this fight, man, but he came, he brought the fight to Diego, yeah. man. You, if, if you go back and watch it, if you get a chance, man, you'll hear, um, Diego's a, a Fortis guy. I think I mentioned that, but you'll hear his coach in the background, really getting into him, telling him, you know, things that he needed him to do during the fight. And even if the commentators were talking about it, how, how, how great, how great the coaching was from the sideline for Diego, but unfortunately he just couldn't get it done. All right. Uh, Maurice green. Uh, faced off against Marcos Rogerio de Lima, and de Lima defeated Maurice Green via unanimous decision, 30-26 times two versus a, and a 30-27. That means there were two. There was a 10-8 round in this fight. Uh, yeah. So de Lima was just dominant. This was a, a really weird-looking fight, man. Herb Dean was the referee for it, and he had to stop the fight to really uh, talk to both the fighters about some of their behaviors and things like that, man. It, it, it was just really weird. Maurice Green and basically just failed to even attempt to get up off the ground for most of the fight. It, it was just really bizarre. Like, he's not even trying. He closed his guard and accepted the bottom position for most of the fight. Well, that's not a winning strategy because the Unified Rules of MMA says – Essentially, you can't win off the bottom. Um, I'm not by saying that I'm not saying that that is not true and that is not right. Like you should be able to win off the bottom. I'm just saying that fighting off the bottom will not net you a, a, a superior position on the judges scorecards, even if you're trying for submissions and things like that. The only person that I've seen uh, that's not true because other people have done it. But the most recent person that we've seen win a fight off his back is trailblazer Kevin Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Magny defeated Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal's a hometown hero via unanimous mm-hmm. decision 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27. Uh, Jeff Neal, you said that you thought that Jeff Neal was, was doing really well in the fight. So I, I wasn't – my eyes weren't particularly glued to this fight. Um, I was watching it at the bar. But from everything I saw, it, it looked like Jeff was was being the aggressor. Jeff was controlling the center of the octagon. Uh, he's putting Neil up against the cage. I'm, I'm go- definitely going to have to go back and watch that fight with a, 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 um, a fine-tooth comb for an eye 
and see what 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 did I miss from that you know from that initial glancing of it. But I, well, it, it it surprised me. I was surprised uh, by the decision, and then to hear that it was unanimous. Yes. So here's the thing that may have led to uh, that may have contributed to Jeff Neal's kind of fading over over this fight. He released a statement that says, well, there goes another one. And this is on Instagram. Felt really good for the first round. And the second one was close. Even in defeat, I'm still proud of this one as well. It was another honor to step in there with another crafty veteran in Neil Magny. I'm probably going to take some time away and take care of my health a little bit. Remember, he nearly died from sepsis uh and he was in 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 the uh in 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 the hospital for a very long time and so this was one of his recent fights back you know he said he almost pulled out of this fight last week because i was vomiting and had diarrhea for three days and after having to rehydrate and replenish what my body lost i found myself sitting at 208 pounds exactly one week before weigh-ins but I got issues, so I said, screw it, and cut 37 pounds in one week. This dude is weighing 208 pounds, fighting at 170 pounds. There is n this is why we have these issues with weight cuts. Why? Why are we doing this to ourselves where we're fighting at these light weights? And having to cut, even if it was in training, cutting 37 pounds and doing it in a week. So perhaps that's why he faded. That's why he wasn't able to continue, even if it was he perhaps won the first round, you know, um, you know, one, at least two judges gave him one round. So if they gave Neil the second he definitely didn't win the third. And so we can see that cutting 37 pounds in a week, um, which he acknowledges is super dangerous and stupid decision, but nothing great ever gets done by trying to play it safe. Uh, you know, and, and, and if, if John Keyes was here, we'd probably get into an argument about that mentality because nothing great ever gets done trying to play it safe, but a lot of lives have been lost not playing it safe. Playing it safe. So, you know, hopefully Jeff Neal is never in a situation where he has to do that again. Uh, in the co-main event, Donald Cowboy Cerrone got finished by TKO to Alex Morano, who is in a, a Fortis guy. That's the guy that's the Fortis guy. Um, and this was a late fight replacement. Of course, this Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight was supposed to have Diego Sanchez, who got cut by the UFC because of his manager, uh and coach josh fabia morano steps in there goes to work on on cowboy cerrone and it was really interesting in this fight they were talking about the fact that cerrone doesn't really move his head and he's very heavy on his feet because of the fact that he's a muay thai fighter and i'm interested to hear your thoughts on that that he's doesn't move his head and he's very heavy on his feet because he's trying to generate maximum power and as a result the right hand the straight right hand was open and have been open for many fights and it was open again for Alex Morano, who clipped Cowboy Cerrone and then finished him with 20 seconds to, to remain. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the uh, the thought that Muay Thai fighters are heavy on their feet. In fact, I would like to, I would, I would, no, no. I would probably say that we're very light on our feet. 
go go back and listen to go back and listen to the commentator they weren't talking about muay thai fighters in general they were talking about the fact that cowboy cerrone was a muay thai fighter who is heavy on his feet because he is trying to generate a lot of power so it's it, it it's not that it's not a it's not a like I, I see you lean forward in your chair. Look, don't look, don't come at me. I'm just don't shoot, the, don't messenger. Shoot the messenger. Yeah, it, it it it's just that they were saying that he's a Muay Thai guy, and so the way that he stands and the way that he moves, it's very traditional Muay Thai. But he is hard, heavy on his feet, and he's not moving his head a lot because he's trying to generate power. So really, two statements in there, and so perhaps I mischaracterized the comment, uh, and 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 so hopefully that provides some clarity. Mm. Um, two things. Donald Cowboy. I was going to say this. Okay. Go who ahead. was the commentator? Uh, I I don't know who the third who who the actual uh you you had uh Dominic Cruz and Daniel Cormier doing color. I don't remember who the oh. actual. It might have been John Anik. I don't, but I, it might have been the other thought guy. It, thought it thought it might be somebody who has a black belt in Brazilian Muay Thai. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you did it this time. For those of you playing the drinking game, hopefully you you you, you know you you're 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 taking a drink on that one. Uh, you probably should have also taken one on uh on Fighter Union, and and there were a few other ones that you probably should have been taking. Uh, we didn't call them out. A couple of things leading into this to this fight, or I guess one thing leading into the fight and one reaction. They talked to Donald Cerrone because Dana White had mentioned before after uh after Cowboy Cerrone had that draw against Nico Price. Remember that? Um, there was a draw that, but, but Cowboy Cerrone was getting his tail handed to him. It was just that Nico Price had a, a point deduction. And so Cerrone would have lost the fight if it wasn't for the point deduction that Nico Price suffered. And so they asked Donald Cerrone coming into this fight if he was hurt by Dana White talking about the fact that Cerrone needs to have the talk. And the talk being that it's time that, you know, uh, Dana White said he fought back. He's tough. He's durable. I love Cowboy. And I know this is going to crush him and break his heart, but it's time to have the conversation with him. Let's talk about stopping. I know he's going to say, I don't want to stop, but we got to have the conversation. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone said that, you know, of course, you know, um, we took a little slower approach this year. I don't know. I am getting old. I am. I need to slow my fighting down a little bit for sure let my hand heal, but we're ready. But he said that it did hurt him that, he, that Dana White is starting to talk about, you know, Cowboy Cerrone ending his career. Well, now he's got beaten and got beaten by a young up and coming fighter in Alex Morano. And basically what Cerrone says is it's a rough day in the office. The game can be, the game can get changed. All it takes is one big shot. I think he's saying the game has changed. Um, all it takes is one big shot. He hit me with a good one and set me back. Hit me with a good, another good one. I heard my coaches say, grab a hold of him. It's like, man, I don't know if I can take three of them. The kid came in really hungry and ready. No excuses on my end. I was ready. I warmed up great. I came out and started early. And that's true. Cowboy changed levels and took and went for a shot first, second of the, of the fight. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, these these fighters keep getting younger and he's getting older. But that I saw part of this fight too. The, the the rule out there on Cowboy is swarm him right out the bat. And I think that Alex did that. Like he as soon as the bell rang, Alex came out and put pressure on him immediately. 
Um, and so you could almost see the mental breaking. I wouldn't call it mental breaking. You, you could see the, the look change on Cowboy, too, once he started to get touched more and more. So, yeah, I, honestly, I, I'd like to see him maybe one more time at 155. I think 170, even though when he first started at 170, he, he, he was a world beater for a, a second, mm-hmm. according to Joe Rogan. But I think 155 would be a better look for him to, to buy out. Let, let him finish at 155. Yeah, and that's what he's asking for. He's like, I think, I think after losing, he's lost five and had one draw. But we all know that Nico Price basically beat him up, so um, we'll call it six, six, six fights without a win. Well, we can say that. Um, I think that's a good indicator that it's time. And so, I would like to see him. And he's asking for one more fight. Let him not go out with a TKO loss. Let's find him somebody at 155. And this is what Diego Sanchez was asking for in fighting Cowboy Cerrone. Let me have my swan song. This be my last fight, and then I'll bow out gracefully. That's what Cerrone is asking for. He wants to fight at 155. I don't know who who I would be comfortable putting him in against at 155 right now. Um, But it needs to be somebody maybe in the 6 to 10 Maybe even outside of the top 10. Dude, I I hate that we're not going to get that Diego and Cowboy fight now. That would have been a great one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So all that leaves us is one last segment, and that is the fight card. You know what? The fight doesn't end with just uh, Cowboy Cerrone. This, this, Look, this, this, this is goes Napoleon back to the, uh, Fabricio Verdum and um, um, what's his name? Hennon Ferreira. It ain't over until the referee st- steps in and says it over. Just because you heard the bell ring, just because somebody tapped, it ain't over, Ryan. We got one more fight to talk about, ladies and oh gentlemen. My God. And that you know- is... Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson. They fought also on that card. They were the main event that Ryan just overlooked somehow um, at 125 pounds. This was a very, very interesting fight, ladies and gentlemen. But, but unfortunately, Mariana Rodriguez won that by unanimous decision. I'm going to let you uh, have full the, screen. I'm going to let you just talk. I'm out. I think the, the judges course scored the, the fight 48-47 and two of them scored it 49-46. Um, but Dude, I like this fight. It was it was a game fight. Michelle came to bring it. Uh, she was looking gangster as ever. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, shout out to her. Um, what more can I say about it, man? I, I'll tell you what, though. Mary Mariana. Um, Mar- what's her name? Marina? What's, what's her name? How do you say it? Marina. <laughs> yeah. How you like them apples? Dude, I like her striking, man. Yeah. She, she's a great boxer. I mean, that's 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 the thing that she does. And she's really game. And so. The fact that she uh, defeated Michelle Waterson, the next person she's calling out is my girl, Joanna Young Jacek. Now, Joanna is looking for money. I don't know if she's going to get that fight, but Joanna needs somebody to justify getting another crack at Rose Thug No Hair Nama Yunus. I think that's a good matchup for for both of them. Um, Mariana striking versus JJ strike. I think JJ definitely is the better striker, um, but it will definitely it will be one of those fights where. M- Marina will get much better. All right. All right. Anything else to say before I press on? I don't know. I was going to say, did you spell her name right on there? Or am yeah. I just messing her name up? 
No, so you just messed it up. It's Marina. <laughs> All right. All right. Now I'm a I'm I'm gonna make like 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 uh you know like a Lee Lee nails and press on. There you go. Uh, this is the fight card. I've already played it, but I'm gonna play it again. The fight card. Hmm. All right. These are the fights happening this weekend. We're just going to cover the one, uh, and that's UFC 262, Oliveira versus Chandler, uh, Saturday, May 15th, 2021. We're going to make fight picks. Do you want to make fight picks on all of them, or you want to just do the flash fight picks? Dude, there are some good fights on this card. Let's go. Um, I definitely want to make picks on uh, the, the Barbosa fight, okay. um, the Hermanson fight. Ferguson and Charles. I'm not familiar. Actually, even the Caitlin fight. Man, are, this this is a good card. Yep. All right. Here we go. Edson Barbosa versus Shane Burgos. Who you got? Boy, boy, boy. Um, I'm gonna roll with Edson, but um, Burgos is game, man. Like that. That's that's gonna be an interesting fight. Burgos is that. game. That, Burgos is Burgos, game. Huh? I'm going with Burgos. Mm. Uh, I, I just, I, I, you know, Edson Barbosa, he's been in the game for a very long time. He's got, you know, incredible striking. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I think that we are seeing a changing of the guard. And so I'm going to go with Shane Burgos on this one and, and dare, dare to eat the crow if, if I am wrong. In the, in the next <laughs> one, we've got 125. Which I, I think that, you know, 125 is such an interesting um, weight class because of the fact that you've got uh, Valentina Shevchenko, who is so dominant at, at, at the top, and this gap, this super huge gap between, um, b- between her and the rest of the field. Caitlin Chikagian was supposed to be the next person to fight Shevchenko if she could have gotten past Jessica Andrade, and Andrade just put in the work. So it brings to question as to whether or not Chukagian is um, is is the, the the fighter that we think she is. So she's going to get another shot this time against Vivian Aranhu. Aran who? Ar- you dang it! Aranjo. Dang it! Dang it! Uh, who you got? Not Aranjo. <laughs> what, I'm going with Caitlin on this one, man. Me too. I, I'm going with Caitlin Chikagian. She's the next best with regards to the 125ers. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick her. In 185, we got Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian. Look at that. I got that one right. You got that one right. Uh, isn't Shabazian uh, trained by Rhonda? Rhonda and and Coach Edmund. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Hermanson, man. I. I saw that last uh, Shabazian fight, um, and I, I think Hermanson is going to pull this one out. <sighs> you know what? I want to go with Hermanson. Actually, I want to go with Shabazian um, because he, you know, he's kind of the golden boy. Uh, he did lose his last fight, but he didn't lose it as bad as as, as to say that he is not not an up and comer. So I'm going to give him one more who, try. Who, who was his last fight against? Uh, let's, fight? Go, let's let's look at let's look that up real quick. Um, my my internet is slow. Uh, 
Edmund Shabazian, the golden boy. Um. Okay, so I am looking at his record here. His last fight was against uh, Derek Brunson, and Derek Brunson <clears throat> beat him by TKO in round three. But yeah, he, I'm keeping. He has, yeah, he has wins over Brad Tavares and uh, Marshman. I'm 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 rolling with Hermanson. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my pick to Hermanson. <laughs> <laughs> All it Sorry. takes is a little investigation, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I forgot that he had had lost to um, Hermanson, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and uh, and 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 change that up. Um, in the next fight of the night, we have uh, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush, co-main event. Who you got? You know who I got. I am Dude, I don't know. on but, but Neil, I am on the hype train. Ride or die. I'm Tony Ferguson. I Tony Ferguson could walk in there on crutches carrying a wheelchair and I've got Tony Ferguson. I'm just I got that dude. That is my dude. He is my number 2 favorite fighter. I don't care what the past says. It's Tony Ferguson. Hand me the crow. You know what? I'm going to do this. Boom. I'll eat crow as I pick Tony Ferguson. That's how I roll. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Tony Ferguson. El Kakui for the win. That's who I got. Darius is, is surging right now. I don't know if that, you know, if you, you know that or realize yes, that. Yes, yes, I know that. And uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Look, I, 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 I have been pick, ride or die I for Tony Ferguson. Tony. I want to pick Tony too, man. I want to, but I just don't see this one going. His way, man. Darius is just like I don't know, man. That 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 train is rolling. Yeah, I I I, I will say that you know I have been ride or die for Tony Ferguson since he won uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Like that's how long I've been on the Tony Ferguson hype train. I've been on it for a long time, and the fact is, is that. This is the end of his career. So I believe I don't think he'll be part of the 60, but I think that if he loses to Benil Dariush, I have to get off that train. I just have to. Two fights ago, this was everybody's uncrowned lightweight champion. You know what I mean? Right. It's crazy how just that that's short span of time changes the trajectory of someone's career. But it's how he got beat. That's the thing. It's like this wasn't him losing a, a close decision. This is him getting getting beaten from pillar to post by Justin Gaethje and then coming mm -hmm. back and getting outclassed by Charles Oliveira. Like he got embarrassed. Yeah. And so it's 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 one of those things where it's like it's really hard to be a Tony Ferguson fan right now. Because as much greatness as he's shown us over, uh, over a career, these last two fights were so far from, from even being competitive that I just can't see how he's going to recover from this. If he loses to Benil Dariush, this, this marks, I, I think, a, a, a place where he is going to be that gatekeeper that's going to kind of survive for another three years or so. And then he'll just get that loss, 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 loss like Cowboy Cerrone. 
you know, unless he can find a way to get to 145, if he can find a way to get to 145, maybe he can have new life at, at, at a lighter weight class. But he's getting old, and I don't think he can make 145. I think he cuts from like 200 and some, or 190 or 200 pounds to get to 155. Hmm. So, uh, ride or die, I'm I'm here, Tony Ferguson. If you can, if my voice can reach out to you, I am still picking you to win this fight. I I I said that I would be here, and I'm making good on my promise. But I gotta say, if 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 the guy who walks out to rock with you by Michael Jackson and the and 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 Broken Vessels by went. Wind song or whatever that the name of the Christian group is. If that's the guy that beats you, bro, I may have to get off that hype train. Mm. I may have to after all these years. And then the fight that I have been waiting for, the main event of the evening, Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. I believe Charles Oliveira um, deserves this fight more than anyone. I don't believe that Michael Chandler deserves this fight, but I'll take him as an opponent against the dude that I'm picking, Charles Oliveira, to win the vacant lightweight title. You get that crow button ready. Oh, it's ready. But I'm not eating I'm crow for that saying, one. Because, uh, yeah, you're going to be eating a lot of crow on that one. All right. Sounds like you got Michael Mike, Chandler. Yeah, Mike's going to ground and pound the, I almost said an expletive. Thank you for uh, that. Yeah, this is not going to go the way Charles Oliveira thinks it's going to go. I think Charles Oliveira is going to be elusive. He's, 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 a, he's a decent striker. I think that he's got crafty ground game. I think <clears> that he's going to let this fight go where he wants it to go, and he's going to stay out of the range of that powerhouse of a right hand that Michael Chandler earned this fight uh, with by landing that fight against uh, uh, so, Hooker. No, it's actually the left hand that earned him is, this one. Is it and left-handed? that's what's see, and that's what's gonna happen. He's not left-handed, but he switched. He he threw like a double jab, right cross, and then he stepped in the southpaw and hit the left hand. Bah! And that rocked him. Either either way, I don't think he's gonna land it on Charles Oliveira. I think Charles Oliveira is gonna prove elusive. And what's gonna happen is over the course of this fight, we're gonna get to these positions where it's gonna be all about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and we're gonna get a submission. And Charles Oliveira force for the win by submission. Chandler's gonna either go to sleep or he's gonna tap. All I gotta say to Charles Oliveira to, to go, all I gotta say, so we can make the full circle, Charles, if he taps twice, it ain't a tap. Mm. Make sure he taps a bunch. I'm gonna need you to cut this clip out and save it for the next show. So when you're eating that crow, we can we can have this playing in the background. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, by the way, for those of you who are watching, we will I will go live and maybe I can get a, a special guest or two uh, to come join uh, for the main event. So we'll, we'll we'll go live for the main event on Saturday night. Um, we may even open the hotline and get to, get some of you to comment. So uh, get ready. We'll open the hotline. We'll we'll do uh, we'll do a main event coverage and see what we get. All right. Follow us on social media on Instagram. I'm at Combat Sports Talk. I am at dark side underscore Muay Thai underscore. All right. And if you want to follow John Keys, he's at Keys to Victory. And Kalechi, who is not here, is at Push Pull Prey on Instagram. You can find us on our website at www.combatsportstalk.com. And we are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms.
I want to send a shout out to MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, and show your shirt, the Intelligent Defense. Let me move the mic out of the way. The Intelligent Defense Discussion Group, where um, we start a lot of these conversations and have really good debates. So join us there um, on Facebook. So on behalf of George G Money Stallworth, my name is Ryan Smith, reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you next time.